Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we are able to be together this morning in prayer. This is Friday, and we're in the third week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but a season made up of a week of weeks. This week, we continue our reading of the Acts of the Apostles, and we witness what the Apostles did, filled with and led by the Holy Spirit, in the amazing first decades of the Church. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights or questions that might arise in you this week. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who gives life, salvation, and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the brothers and sisters with them in Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, those who wanted to emphasize circumcision took issue with him. Why did you do it, they asked. Why did you go in to visit uncircumcised men and eat with them? So Peter began to explain it all step by step. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and I was praying, and I was in a trance, and I saw a vision, something like a great sail suspended by its four corners, was let down from heaven, and I came toward me. I stared at it, then I began to look in, and I saw four-footed land animals, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. I heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Certainly not, Lord, I replied. Nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Then the voice came from heaven a second time. What God made clean, you must not regard as common. All this happened three times, and then the whole lot was drawn back up into heaven. Just then, suddenly, three men appeared at the house where I was, sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without raising scrupulous objections. These six brothers also came with me, and we went into the man's house. He told us that he had seen an angel standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa and fetch Simon, called Peter, 
who will speak to you the words by which you and all of your house will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as the Spirit did on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word that the Lord had spoken. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So then, Peter concluded, if God gave them the same gift as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who was I to stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had nothing more to say. They praised God. Well then, they declared, God has given the Gentiles too the repentance that leads to life. The people, who had been scattered because of the persecution that came about over Stephen, went as far afield as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word only to Jewish people. But some from among them, who were from Cyprus or Cyrene in the first place, arrived in Antioch and spoke to the Hellenists as well, announcing the good news of the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of all this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he urged them all to stay firmly loyal to the Lord from the bottom of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a substantial crowd was added to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when they had found him, he brought him to Antioch. They were there a whole year and received hospitably in the church and taught a substantial crowd. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Around that time, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, Agabus by name, stood up and gave an indication through the Spirit that there would be a great famine over the whole world. This took place in the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples determined, according to their ability, to send what they could to help the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They carried out this plan, sending their gift to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was no small matter for Peter and his companions to enter Cornelius' house and then stay in fellowship around the table. Peter struggled with the vision, and he follows the Spirit's lead cautiously and with reservation. And yet, when the Holy Spirit falls on the people, Cornelius gathers Peter and his six companions who accompanied him, start to understand what God is doing. That puts those seven now on the leading edge of the Holy Spirit's work in gathering the people of the whole world into one flock in the Messiah. That's the exciting part. Next comes the hard part explaining what happened to those who were not with them in Cornelius' house, and those who did not have this peculiar vision of the Lord declaring all things clean. When Peter tells the church what happened, they agreed that the blessing of the Spirit and the peace and forgiveness and fellowship they share in the Messiah has now been extended to all of the nations, to the Gentiles, to the uncircumcised as well. Over the next month, reports keep filtering back to Jerusalem, to the leadership there, of more and more Gentiles coming to faith, receiving baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit. New congregations are being formed in various towns and cities in various regions. Some are growing in numbers and, and start to serve as a new kind of hub or center of ministry and start to shape a new ministry that includes both Jews and Greeks. 
like Antioch, for example. Things are changing quickly. It's easy enough now, at this point in the story, to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's a much harder thing to change our habits and customs, our prejudices. Even as the word of the Lord is growing, there are those who are struggling with the changes and the implications of those changes. The great conflict of the early church is starting to take shape. The conflict over what it means and how to include Gentiles in the fellowship and community of Israel's Messiah, of Jesus. And the changes the Spirit is ushering in puts the first disciples in the place where they must now follow the Spirit's lead or find themselves fighting against the God they love and serve. We too are living in a time of transition and dramatic change. Sometimes it's difficult to see, let alone understand, where the Holy Spirit is leading and what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Some of those things that we loved and cherished, those things that we thought made us who we are or set us apart from others, maybe in some ways the whole structures of our faith and life, they seem to be giving away. Maybe Jesus' own closing words in his Sermon on the Mount can help us. Jesus tells his disciples to build the structure and the foundation of their faith on the rock that he is and on his teachings. When the storm comes along and washes everything else away, Jesus and his word abide. For Jesus' people living along the storm front of the Holy Spirit's ministry in the world, sometimes it can seem like everything is being swept away. But the gospel remains. And that's what Barnabas tells the new community of Gentiles in Antioch. Hold fast and remain loyal to Jesus. The Lord will build from there. I wonder what God is doing. I think this new and growing congregation in Antioch might have some ideas. I wonder what they'll think of that in Jerusalem. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. 
Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially this morning, we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all the gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gifts of relationship with others, for the communion of faith in your church. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who govern the nations of the world. For people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare. For all who work for peace and international harmony. For all who strive the earth, save the earth from carelessness and destruction. And for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. For what else and for who else are we praying today? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to fulfilling your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.